Well, good morning. You see what I did there? Good morning. Today we're talking about goodness. And it's a word we use a lot, or more accurately, misuse a lot. In, in the Bible, it's, it's sometimes translated as honourable or upright or, or righteous. The, the Greek word is a strange one. It's agathosinon. Agathos is good. Agathosinon is goodness. And it means good in character or, or good in moral quality. It's often referred to as uprightness in heart and in mind. Someone said it's virtue equipped at every point. And that can mean doing the right thing in a, in a quiet manner. Or it can also mean you know, not letting wickedness stand or hypocrisy stand. Doing good isn't necessarily being kind. Like when Christ cleared the temple. You'd be aware that we would say that was a good act, but you probably wouldn't describe it as a, a kind act. So goodness refers to the, the, the quality of, of being virtuous or, or morally good. Also, just straight away, and it's pretty obvious, I think we all know this, that the opposite of good is evil. We also associate goodness with qualities like integrity or honesty. So goodness is, is an action as it involves doing what is, is right and encouraging others to do what is right. That's what goodness is as an action. It's close to kindness, but it's not exactly the same thing, obviously. You might think, well, what, what's the difference? I mean, but there must be a difference because otherwise Paul wouldn't have chosen the fruit of the Spirit to say kindness and then goodness, if they mean exactly the same thing. Kindness is more about being generous, being considerate and, and thoughtful. Uh, as Beck excellently explained last week. Well, I say eh, she was okay, wasn't she? Eh? My simple summary of the difference is this. If you say be kind, it's primarily an action. Whereas being good or having goodness is more an inner quality. But it does express itself outwardly. The word goodness is only actually mentioned four times in the Bible. Besides the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, it's used in Romans 15.14, and in our reading in Ephesians 5 verse 9, and finally in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11. So it's not mentioned a lot, but you get the idea from all of them that the overarching understanding of goodness. And it's this uprightness of heart and mind which leads to righteous actions. Now, I want to point something out here. It's a, it's a really important thing about the confusion about what goodness and what good means in reality. <clears throat> um, goodness is a fruit of the Spirit, not a root to the Spirit. Let me say that again. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit, not a root to the Spirit. Let me expand on that slightly. In Matthew 19 verse 16, um, we're told this. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do 
to get eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been involved in that kind of discussion many times. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Or to phrase it another way, I hear people say all the time, they're a good person, surely they'll get eternal life. They're a good person, surely they'll be in heaven. As if goodness is the key quality or the key criteria to get eternal life, to live with God. But the Bible is crystal clear on this point, as Jesus was in Matthew chapter 19. In Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 it says this, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not by yourself, it's a gift of God, not by good works, so that no one can boast. So Paul in that epistle of Ephesians is crystal clear is that we become a Christian through accepting Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We don't become a Christian by doing good works. Good works is not the criteria. So that man who came to Jesus was thinking down the wrong path. You know, it's not about good works. Goodness is the fruit of the Spirit, not the root to the Spirit. Yeah, I want you to make sure you really grasp that point. You know, if you're striving to be good, hoping to merit eternal life, hoping to merit living with Christ forever, you're on the wrong set of trams. The tram line is accepting Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. It's a free gift, as we're told in Ephesians chapter 2. All we have to do is accept it. So, moving on a bit more about goodness. How do we exude goodness? How do we live a life of goodness? Well, the answer in some ways is very simple. With the help of God. We don't do it on our own. As I was thinking about this, a thought came to my mind because of something that happened with Daisy this week. Daisy, our little two and a half year old baby, was, was climbing up the, the, uh, the, the stairs and, and she was carrying a big heavy book with her. But she couldn't. Uh, get up the stairs carrying this book and I went across and I said what's up Daisy and she said Daisy and she said it's too heavy it's too heavy and she was holding the book and I picked her up in my arms and I took her up the stairs. Now question for you who carried the book up the stairs? Was it Daisy or was it me? She carried the book and I carried her. Don't you remember Philippians chapter 4 it says this we can do all things through him who strengthens us. I want to also read you uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This is definitely a partnership here. These verses are saying, don't act like the world. Be transformed by thinking differently. Then you can live a good life, a life pleasing to God in his will. That is what our reading today said as well. Live as children of the light, as children of Jesus, as children of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that, and our reading was goodness. 
Now, I read Rick Warren's uh, Daily Hope. I get an email each day and it's wonderful. I encourage you to look it up and sign up for it. And this week, after I had finished my sermon, I was just going over it. I got to this bit in my sermon when my phone pinged and I looked at it and it was Rick Warren's daily email. And unbelievably, he was talking about this verse, Romans chapter 2, verse 12. Just, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, sorry. Just when I was reading about what I was going to say. So when that happens, you've got to think, hang on a minute here. This is, this is God at work. So let me just read you a little bit of what he said. Not at all. You can look it up yourself if you want to read it all. He said, with regards to the pattern of this world, pattern means the model of everything you've learned in life. If you want to change, you have to change your pattern or model of living that you've learned of your life. You need to replace the old unhealthy pattern with a new one modelled on the life of Christ. And then he said, with regards to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he said the word transformed is the same as the word we use for metamorphosis. The process of a caterpillar that goes through slowly to become a butterfly. In the same way, God wants us to transform, sorry, God wants to transform you into a completely new person by renewing your mind. How does this happen, he asks? He says, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in your attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a bit of the answer there. You know, we have to take off some clothes to put on new clothes. Like when you go to a shop to try on new stuff, you've got to take off the stuff you're wearing. And if we want to be transformed, go through that metamorphosis, we have to take some things off, get rid of some things, dis discard some stuff, and so we can put on new stuff. We have to be transform our thinking in that way. Wow. So this is a process. It's a metamorphosis. But we are definitely involved in it. One final point. Our reading today in verse 11 said this, that we should don't do bad things. Tim Keller said this, not many of us are, are like Hitler, Attila the Hun, Bin Laden or Ted Grundy, but it's not for lack of potential. What Tim Keller is saying is that here is that we all have the potential to do evil, real evil, not do good. If you don't believe that, let me encourage you to lead to read the, the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who exposes that the horrendous evil done in communist Russia by so, so many normal people. We all have that potential inside us. In fact, it was Simon uh, Weisenthal, a, a Jewish Holocaust survivor, who said, for evil to flourish, it only requires good men to do nothing. And it also includes good women. But evil to flourish it only requires good people to do nothing. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 says this, You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? 
Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad trees bear bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Goodness is always, under every circumstance, beneficial to others. It is doing good because it's the right thing to do. And and it's not for the purpose of being recognised for like doing good. It's not for self-glorification. It's because it's the right thing to do. Once again, we, I, have a choice to make. Will I choose to do good? And doing good comes from being good, being transformed. You know, we're told in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to, to prove goodness. We're told in 12, verse 9, to cling to goodness. We're told in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, to do goodness. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, to be eager to do goodness. You know, we're told in John chapter 3, verse 11, to imitate goodness and good. I don't know if that's fake it till you make it, you know, imitate, just choose to do it. We're told in Romans chapter 12 to overcome evil with good. I just want to pick up on that last point. Overcome evil with good. This is not a neutral situation here. I mentioned that the opposite of good is evil. Or I could say that the opponent of good is evil, is the devil. You know, our missional community last uh, Thursday night, Chris Cotty brought that up about when we're trying to do these through the Spirit, you know, we have an enemy, we have a competitor who will not be happy at Christians exuding these qualities. And our, our own fallen human nature will fight against us. There are forces against us in this battle of good versus evil. People choose evil and people choose not to do good which allows evil to flourish. In many ways, it's like going up an escalator the, the wrong way. If you want to get to the top, you have to keep walking. If you stand still, you'll start coming back down again. We need to press on, as Paul says, you know, with God's help, with the help of friends. We overcome the devil, we overcome evil with goodness, according to Paul in Romans chapter 12 and 21. When we are feeling like, like conforming to this world, we choose to remain good, righteous in character. We knuckle down and say, no, I am going to be honourable. I am going to do what is right, what is righteous. God, please help me in this endeavour as I slowly reshape my mind, as I'm slowly transformed day by day. As I live as a child of the light, a life pleasing to God, says our reading. So today, I want to encourage you all to choose goodness, to go on a lifelong journey of constantly choosing goodness. It is the right thing to do. It's God's will. And it's a choice as that gives you a pleasing and fulfilled life. Thank you.